0: mini break. Your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, November 4th. We do apologize for getting this podcast out to you so late in the day. Obviously, there's a lot going on right now in the world here in the United States. We had an election yesterday, and we are still awaiting the results from that election. But nevertheless, there is a ton of exceptional tennis going on right now across the tennis world. It obviously got to a point yesterday where you know it was like 6, 7 p.m., and I was like, oh, yeah, There's tennis going on. So I went back and I watched some of the replays in Paris to just take my mind away from things, offer a bit of a distraction. And, you know, that was a good decision because the play in Paris delivering yesterday, we had so many fun matches on the day, a bunch of three set battles. Of course, we also have the action going on on the Challenger Tour this week, two events there, ITF events going on across the globe as well. So, you know, it's a really fun uh, home stretch of this 2020 professional tennis season. That's what we're going to be talking about on today's podcast. We will keep this episode on the briefer side because obviously most of Wednesday's matches already finished by the time I'm recording this podcast, and we did preview Wednesday's matches on our GSP Aces of the Day this morning. Hopefully... You all got the chance to listen to that show. We won a little bit of money today with our wagers as well, which is always a good feeling. So, you know, be on the lookout for our preview of each day's matches uh, day in, day out on that Great Shot podcast feed, which of course you can find wherever you listen to your podcast or on our website, crackedrackets.com. Of course, the reason we're able to do this podcast day in, day out here at CR is because not only of the amazing support we get from you listeners, from our CR Patreon family, but of course the support what we get from our friends over at Midwest Sports and uh, Aero Bar. You know our philosophy here. We want to look good. We want to feel good so that when we get out on the court we are going to play our best tennis and that's where our friends come in. You go to Midwest Sports. You're going to find anything you need from an equipment standpoint. You use our promo code CR15. Not only will you let them know we sent you there. You'll get a little deal on your order. Of course you go to aerobar.com. You're going to get yourself a shot at the only tennis specific energy bars in the business and we actually had the chance yesterday on the Cracked Interviews podcast to speak with Dr. Mark Kovacs, one of the foremost experts in sports science as it relates to tennis. He talked about how for the majority of juniors, that actually is one of the little things you can get a significant boost from is if you are eating a cliff Bar or you know, uh, an Arrow Bar, excuse me, leave it in west off that mistake. My bad, guys. Uh, if you're eating an Arrow Bar or whatever it may be, you can actually get that fuel bonus. And the reason I say cliff Bar, I was doing things wrong. You can get the sort of fuel you actually need by switching to our friends at Arrow Bar, Of course, you can support them by going to their website, Aerobar.com, ordering yourself up a case and using our promo code CRACKED15 to get 15% off your order again. Look good, feel good, play good. Midwest Sports Arrow Bar cracked rackets. And yeah, my analogies aren't the best this morning. I didn't get the highest amount of sleep, or it's not even morning. See, that shows you where my brain is. And if you listen to that GSP Ace of the Day, I think I recorded that. What was that? 4 a.m. 4:30 yesterday, or I suppose today. I just uh, I was up, and my mind was racing. Anyways, uh, it really did help me to sort of cool back, sit back, you know, ease off a little bit, and get to watch some tennis to distract myself. So with that in mind, let's. Talk talk about the actions, let's talk, let's distract ourselves from the stresses of the real world, let's sink into the professional tennis world, and let's start with that action in Paris, and again, it was a really fun day of play uh, over for this final Masters 1000 event of the season. Overall, you look across the board, we had six three-set matches on the day, we had two matches go 7-6 in the third. Let's start with the highlight match of those two. Number two seed, Stefano pass falling to unseeded Frenchman, Hugo Umber, the Antwerp champion a 7-6 6-7 7-6 victory over Tsitsipas in a match that lived up to the scoreline. The margins between these two so thin. They both go 7 of uh, they both go 2 of 9, excuse me, on break point chances. Tsitsipas Pas actually makes 71% of his first serves, to Umber, 61%. They both win 75% of their first serve points. Tsitsipas Pas wins 54% of his second serve points. Umber wins 53% of his second serve points. What's the difference in this match that saw 129 points for Tsitsipas, 127 points for Umber? Simply put, Ugo Umber was the more confident player of the two, and that's crazy to say, right? Because Stefano Tsitsipas coming off of the final in Hamburg, the semifinal at the French Open, he obviously looked fine uh, last week in Antwerp when he lost, I believe, to Grigor Dimitrov, but... You could just tell. I mean, Ugo Umber has played and won a lot of matches during this 2020 season, and obviously he won his first two ATP titles this year, one of the few uh, repeat champions on the season, and he just looked confident in those biggest moments, in those breakers. He made a ton of first serves. It was easier for him to make a return, I would say, and get it back to neutral in those breakers, maybe, it really was a first serve percentage thing for Pass in those breakers compared to Umber, and really, Ugo should have won all three. He goes up 6-3, a, uh, a mini-break of serve. Maybe it was even 6-2, a mini-break of serve. I think it was 6-3, though, because I'm pretty sure on five threes when he hits that ridiculous drop volley on the long point for 6-3. Tsitsipas then wins two points on serve himself, and then, you know, plays a really good return point uh, at 6-5, makes a couple of backhands, deep cross-court, hits through the ball, finally takes a backhand up the line that draws an Embarer slice, error for 6 all two points later. Tsitsipas takes takes the set, but, you know, Umber had three match points that pass was able to fight off, and, you know, outside of that little stretch, outside of that 5-0 run Pass had in the second set breaker, Umber was simply put the better player of the two during those breakers, he was more aggressive, he didn't, you know, I just think he's better at plan B and plan C than Pass. Obviously, when pass is playing attacking tennis, that plan A looks as beautiful as, I don't know. Any player right there out now right out there right now in the game. But for Umber, it's he's a sneaky good mover. He's fine turning defense into offense. He's fine taking balls early. He'll play the backhand flat down the line if he needs to. He was very disciplined in attacking that CC backhand side. Obviously, Umbert the lefty able to expose that wing even more so uh than your normal opponent for Stefan or than your right handed opponent's normal right handed. It's plenty normal to be left handed. I'm saying than your typical right handed opponent Uh, and it was just again the margins in this match I don't want to chide Tsitsipas, here's what I, I would say, he blew a lot of opportunities, he had a ton of break points in that second set, and you know, physically in the third set, both of these guys were struggling, but Paz, I think, went up love 15 in every service game of the second set of Ugo Umber. and he wasn't able uh, to get a break of serve, I believe, in that second set, and it was a battle, but ultimately, Ugo Umbert, again, so confident right now, gets another victory, and for him, unfortunately, he's not going to be able to qualify for the year-end finals, although I feel like I could make a case at at this point, that he would be a reasonable candidate for that eighth spot. But for Ugo Umber, who's up to number 33 in the world with this result, one off his career high of 32, he's right behind Lorenzo Senego right now. That feels accurate. He really is one of the 30 best players in the world, or right around that point. He has been one of the young breakout stars of this season. I feel like if Andre Rublev wasn't just not losing anymore, we'd be talking even more about Ugo Humbert. although I feel like we are talking enough about Ugo Humbert, I do feel like everyone has taken the time to notice, oh man, this guy can play. And again, definition of a modern tennis player, we've talked a lot about him this year. These past couple of weeks, uh, he continues to look really good, and that was a good win for him over Tsitsipas. In terms of the other 7-6 in the third battle, it was one of our aces of the day on Tuesday. Unfortunately, Tennis Sandgren loses his second straight match to pierre Air Bear. this time 2-6, 6-4, 7-6. It looked very similar to the first, folks. Air is going to attack. He's going to hit the big serve, hit the slice, chip and charge, try to get to the net at all costs. And Sangrin's a hell of an athlete. He really did do a better job in this match of, you know, stretching Air Bear. I think he did a better job of protecting his own serve against Air Bear, kind of doing a good job anticipating when Air Bear was going to move forward, when he was going to throw in the slice. But again, you know, in this match, Air Bear only made 48% of his first serves. And he wins the match. That's just that that can't fly if you're Tennis Sandgren who only makes 55% of his own first serves, but win 81% of those points, but 20 of, 20, uh, 20 of 45, 44% on the second serve. Uh, again, in terms of total points one Sandgren only four back in this one. It was a toss-up, and in the end, Air Bear just a little bit more uh, uh, aggressive in the biggest moments. He gets the victory to advance to the round of 32. Your other three set results on the day, really good wins for Tommy Paul and Yoshi Nishioka over Jill Simone and Anduhar, respectively. Both of those guys dropped first sets and then they really imposed themselves physically. They made the match a track meet for Tommy Paul. He had the bigger weapons than Jill Simone and he is the more fit player at this moment and he stayed patient. He moved forward when the opportunity presented itself. He you know, used the plus one serve. He went down the line. He wasn't intimidated by Simone's speed or the fact that you know Simone kind of wants to hit that on-the-run passing shot, dip it at your feet. Then you hit a short volley that he can track down and put away. That's his one-two passing shot combo, right? But it was a really good serving performance for Tommy Paul, and there was a reason he was an ace of the day for me despite being an underdog to Simone because I test. I mean, he has played really well these past two weeks, and I won't say it again uh, that you could tell after he lost to Feliciano Lopez in Antwerp he was going to have a strong stretch down the last two weeks. You could just see how frustrated he was, but I just said it again, and clearly— Uh, He is motivated right now to end the year inside the top 50, and he's awfully close to that mark right now for Tommy Paul. You look in the live rankings. He is currently sitting at a live ranking of number 54. Now, he wins one more match this week. He will go all the way up to number 47 in the world in the live rankings, which again would be a new career high for the 23-year-old, and it took a little bit longer than maybe we anticipated, but 23 years old, top 50, very, very good place to be if you are Tommy Paul. I certainly think he will look back at this 2020 and view it as a success, as a building block for uh, his future. And then for Yoshi Nishioka, 7-5 in the first, but does anyone doubt he's going to continue to scrap and claw his way through matches? The variety he plays with, the angle, the slice, the hustle heir apparent to Diego Schwartzman, obviously, but it's always great to know that we're going to have that Diego Schwartzman void filled should he ever retire, and yeah, Nishioka's the heir apparent, although Diego Schwartzman, sneaky young, I think he's only 28 maybe for Schwartzman, yeah, he just turned 28 years old, he's got plenty of time, Uh, so I suppose heir apparent might be hard, but that is, you know, again, Yoshi Nishioka such a great scrap, such a great fight, it was really enjoyable to watch. Uh, The other three set battles on the day, you had Richard Gasquet bageling Taylor Fritz, then dropping a second before winning a 6-3 in the third affair for Fritz. It's the same issues. I mean, Gasquet threw junk at him, he got him stretched to the outer thirds, he threw in drop shots, and just it disrupted Fritz's rhythm, and when Fritz is able to stay on rhythm, he looks phenomenal. In terms of arm talent, wrist talent, ability to strike the ball, he's up there with the best of them. That's why he was a top junior growing up because as soon as the physical, you know, when the physical uh, discrepancies between players are narrower, who can strike the ball best matters that much more, but this is pro tennis, and physically, that will continue to be the question for him. How good of a mover can he become? That's something we discussed with Dr. Kovacs on the podcast, uh, which again, you can go all listen to on the Cracked Interviews feed, but a good win for Gasquet. Disappointing ending for the season for Fritz. I imagine we're going to see him in Sofia because I know he's a guy who wants to play through his problems. Indoor hard courts you would figure would be a really good portion of the season for him moving forward, or at least it's going to need to be if he ever wants to get into that ATP top 10, but that's a bad loss, just to simply put. Guess guys playing well, but... It's a bad loss for Taylor Fritz. A great victory for an American, though. Marcos Girone, who, you know, after reaching his first ATP quarterfinal and earning his first top 20 win last week, knocks off top 10 player Matteo Berrettini, 7'6", 7 five In Paris, he reaches his first Masters 1000 round of 16 and is into the top 75 for the first time in his career. And we've talked about this before. Girone, double hip surgery over the course of his career, had so many injuries following his uh, winning of the NCAA singles title at UCLA when he was, I believe, a junior. And he was always one of the top juniors in the country. I think he's a year older than me, maybe two. Uh, But he was always the guy people people were chasing. Uh, And I mean, just physically, his movement ability. The guy's a grinder to a scrapper, and he culminates his victory with an on-the-run forehand passing shot on 30-40 break point to get that break for 7-5 in the third. And I mean, again, quarterfinals last week. Marcos Giron is just playing some really confident tennis. It's such a good story. So excited for him. You're not going to meet a nicer guy, and we've had the chance to hang out with Giron a little bit, had the chance to have him on the podcast. You're not going to meet a nicer guy, and so it's just impossible not to be excited for Marcos Giron. It proves the tennis gods, uh, they don't laugh at us. They reward uh, those who deserve to be rewarded, and Marcos Giron, the hard work he's put in uh, to rehab just to get back onto or deserve to be rewarded, and it is now as he finds Himself inside the top seventy-five. Now, your other winners on the day. We'll go through these quickly. Round of sixty-four. Sinego continues to rock and roll. One in four over Sasha Bublik. That's a good victory. Manorino, same deal. Goes from the Noor sultan finals to a six and three victory over the Deuce. Really good win for Miomir Kecmanovic over last week's Noor sultan champion John Milman. I think for Milman, you could just see it in the legs. They weren't quite there for Kecmanovic indoor hardcourt. I think going to be one of his best services moving forward. That's a good victory for him. Stan Wawrinka, very impressive, 3-6 and six over Evans. Now, Dan Evans has played a lot of tennis of late, but what I'm learning about Stan Wawrinka, if you can't hurt him, if you can't take time away from him, and of course, I suppose this is a case for all players as they get older, but the ball striking still there. If you leave a backhand uh, in the center of the court, even though it's the Stan one-hander, he's ripping it for a winner. Same deal with the forehand. He's still Stan freaking Wawrinka. He showed as much in this victory. And then, you know, Milos going to Milos, 3-2 and two over Alias I don't know what I could tell you about that performance that you don't already know Meet by me simply saying, yeah, Milos Raonic won the match. You know what that looked like. Inside-out forehands, big serves, serving and volleying. He scraps out a break. He slices just enough backhands to make the match intriguing A victory for Milos Raonic. Another victory, last two matches on the day. Pablo Carreno Busta, uh, 7-6-6-2 over Jan-Leonard Struth. That was a really fun battle. And then Norbert Gombos upsets number eight seed David Goffin, six four seven six 4 Goffin obviously tested positive for COVID about a month ago, maybe a little bit sooner than that. And he just has struggled to find his rhythm here in 2020. He's been very candid about it as well, saying, look, I'm not comfortable right now. I don't feel like I have my rhythm. I feel like I have been disrupted by this global pandemic, justifiably so. And, you know, we're not going to hold this season against David Goffin. I think he's one of the people where it's safe to say the ranking system should be adjusted because he's trying his best to play, but You know he can't affect the fact that Eric. There's nothing he can do about the fact that he got COVID and just hasn't been able to find his rhythm. And so great victory for Gombos, but you know David Goffin 2020. I think he's ready to put this season in the rearview mirror. Then the last one we talked about a little bit yesterday, but just a reminder: Quarantine Moutet also testing positive for COVID at this event. The second player after Joe Salisbury, he is withdrawn from the tournament. So Marin Cilic going to advance to the round of 16. That was your Tuesday action in Paris. Now of course we had a a couple of challengers in Parma as well. Want to talk about those quickly. You look at our winners on the day. A lot of Italians finding success in Parma. You had Lorenzo Musetti, the young Italian number four seed, three and five over Oronago. You also had Roberto Marcora over Napolitano. Luca Nardi, the talented young Italian, over Zepieri in three sets as well. You also had wins from my guy, Kimmer Copenhans. I swear to God, the former junior French Open champion, I still have a little bit of stock in in Copa Hans. We saw Matthias Borg knock off Holger Rune, who continues to struggle at the challenger level, but he's got time. But 6-1 victory for Borg. Cedric Marcel-Stebb, a win over Pellegrino in three. Quentin Halice a three-set win over Federico Gaio, And then Blaz Blazkavich, a 6-3-2 love retirement victory over number three-seeded J.J. Wolf, who just hasn't really found his rhythm since that U.S. Open in You know, you're allowed to not find your rhythm, given it's 2020, given everything that's going on, but would have loved to see J.J. Wolf with a strong stretch here, because I do think he's running his way towards the top 100. He looks so good uh, on the hard courts. The question is, what about the other surfaces? What about... As he plays more matches at the ATP level, will will his size be exposed? It's a legitimate question to ask. I happen to think he's got more than enough firepower. He's plenty quick on the court. That the size doesn't apply. You know, I think he's got. It's not like the pop of his ball is compromised by his height. I mean, go listen to his forehand. It's not quite Rublev FAA category, but it's awfully close uh, in terms of the sound you hear. But yeah, it's not. You know, not the ideal ending for JJ Wolf. If you're a fan of American men's tennis, of course. Course, we still do have another American man in the draw, Maxime Cressy, going to take on uh, Luca Narda on Thursday. Excuse me, Wednesday's matches, though, featured Liam Brody versus Cavage, Viola versus Halise, Vanny versus Borg, Arnabaldi versus Barrere, That's the action in Parma over in Germany on the carpet. You saw Alexi Popper and knock off former uh, college tennis UNC standout Braden Schnur, Ivashka over Dustin Brown, Bockinger over Baylor standout Julian Lenz, Marc Andrea Husler over Martyr, Rodionov over Golbus and Roman Safilian over a uh, three-set win over Mikhail Torpegaard. I swear to God, Mikhail Torpegaard has never lost a match in straight sets, uh, which is why I continue to think he will at some point. I think he's going to make the top 100. I, I really do. I think, you know, we continue to see it. These guys, Marcos Girone another example. He was one of the best players in college tennis. He now finds himself in the top 100. I just think if you have followed college tennis closely, and I think I said this the other day, The reason it's been so exciting these past five years, the reason I continue to be drawn to it, go watch these players play. The level of play is outstanding. Certainly, you know, for the men, for the women, it's 125K challenger-level event sorts of quality of play, particularly at the top of the lineup, and that's why you see so many college players go out and have success at the ITF and challenger levels. Uh, And I just think, again, the results we're seeing are testament to that. But as I mentioned, uh, for Wednesday's matches uh, over in... uh, uh, Germany, you have some really fun battles. I believe Sebastian Korda is still in play. He's going to take on Gertais. Donskoy versus Rayberg, Rosencrantz versus Müller. Uh, Matrizak versus Ofner. Ramkumar Ramanathon versus Hiroki Moria as well to wrap things up. So it should be a very fun day of challenger tennis. Of course, you've got ITF action across the globe as well. Players like Nuno Borges, Alex Rybakov, Ty Kwiatkowski, all in play and it's worth noting from at college tennis ranks i hear this guy's kind of a loser but uh it's a fun twitter account to follow nevertheless by the way that was a joke I hope everyone out there is aware, at College Tennis Ranks. I would never call a Twitter account a loser unless I actually know the person. And in case you don't know, at College Tennis Ranks, our very own Chris Halliors, who is a loser, by the way. But anyways, he did not lose with this tweet. Um, awesome to have the futures back in the U.S. again. Wow, that's very eloquent of you to say, Chris. Uh, looking at the Fayetteville, Fayetteville 15K and qualifying will provide eight more... M- Bad grammar from Chris. Here we go. Looking at the Fayetteville 15K, comma, and qualifying will provide eight more main draw players, comma, but as of now, 19 of the 24 players in the main draw are current or former college players. We just have to teach him some punctuation. The point he's making, uh, some really fun action going on for both the men and women on the ITF level in the U.S. this week. A bunch of college players in action. I believe there's a Charlie Broomsey-Clark matchup in the first round. Uh, that sounds really fun to me, but... You also have players like Claire Lou, Ann Lee, Katie McNally, CC Bellis in action for the women as well. So it should be a really, really fun week of tennis. And then again, one just one last thing to bode well for all of us on the horizon. We learned yesterday, Bianca Andrescu telling tennis majors she will definitely be at the Australian Open in 2021. That is something all of us as tennis fans can get excited for because obviously what we saw from her during the 2019 season, you don't just go win Indian Wells, you don't go just win the US Open, do all of these special things, win the Rogers Cup on a whim. You're, you are you got to be pretty good to win those three in the same season and obviously she did just that so hopefully we get to see her healthy come 2021. Uh, but that's all of the action from Tuesday in the professional tennis world. Again, we will be back tomorrow at a much more appropriate time to recap Wednesday's matches, which I know were awfully fun. We saw Rafa Nadal get pushed to three sets. So, you know, just a little teaser of things to come. Again, if you have missed anything over these past couple of days in the tennis world, be sure to go check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at CrackedRackets. Rackets. you want to message me directly, I am at GreatShotPod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westoff, for the... Of an any job they do day in, day out. Shout out to our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar Bar as well. You know the deal look good, feel good, play good. Midwest Sports, Aerobar Bar, Cracked Rackets. Uh, but with that in mind, for our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, Bar, our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westhoff, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Greskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.